welcome to the Touchdown Review, brought to you by thetouchdown.co.uk. I'm your host, Mains, and this is episode 8. Big show for you this week. Number of guests talking about college and the NFL. Got George Somerville, Tiber Boo, many more. And we're going to get straight into it with George talking about college football and what's going on in the SEC. And joining me now, as always, great to have on with me from Saturday in Athens on the Sustanza Coat UK, the College Chaps podcast, the brilliant George Somerville. George, how are we? I'm doing fine, Paul. Thank you for having me on again. No problem. SEC talk, and there's only one place to start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I, I've, I've looked at my own intro about four times in relation to this question, and I keep on changing it. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go in in history if that's okay. Yeah. Um, um, I am a, a Washington football sufferer in the NFL, so I'm acutely aware of college coaches who come to the NFL, i.e. Steve Spurrier. Yeah, but what people always forget is he was an absolutely wonderful coach at the University of Florida. We um, A lot of NFL writers, uh, including myself, have been laughing at Evan Meyer this year. Again, easy to forget that he was a fantastic coach in Florida. Gators have a fantastic record over the past, I guess, 30 years, basically 1990s to, you know, 2010, really. Three national titles, one with Spurrier, two with Meyer. And when I started watching or knowing about college football, they were one of the preeminent powers in, in, in all of the sports. Which leads me to believe, leads me to get into where we are right now. Um, the Florida Gators are four and five. They are fifth in the SEC East, which is a tough task all in itself. They have only beaten Tennessee and Vanderbilt and have lost to Alabama, no major issue, but also lost to Kentucky, LSU, Georgia, and South Carolina. And given the amount of college coaches who've been fired recently, how has Dan Mullen still got a job? Um, what what a perfect summary of the current situation, and what a great question to to ask. Um, I can't help but think that the action that he took um, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, was to try and appease Scott Strickland, the the, the UF uh, athletic director, um, that he could actually make a difference in the, in the next three games. The it's hard to so, so let, let, let's take a step back in history. I know I know this isn't a video, but you can see that jersey mm. up on my wall and, and Tim Tebow for those. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Tebow for those who don't of, of me with Steve Spurrier when I met him in Gainesville, right in the swamp of all places. Um, you know when I first started watching college football, it was those teams. I, I've also got Reggie Bush over there, so. It was those teams who are so exciting to watch. And you talked about Urban Meyer. Say what you want about Urban Meyer and what people do. Mm. Um, you know, he built that team, uh, uh, you know, double championship winning team. So Florida Gator fans are used to and expect that level of success. And in fact, we had 
with Laura Rutledge on uh, College Chaps a couple of weeks ago, and um, she she came through the school around about that time, and she talks eloquently about um, the demands of the of the supporters. And I don't think it's a great comparison, but but you think about the the demands of Newcastle United supporters to win the Premier League year in year out, um, and and Florida are off the mark. You know, they're 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 way off the, the mark. Their the record this year. A telling quote. So I listened to. I'm writing this up for Saturday in Athens, and, and I listened to Dan Mullins' Monday press conference, and um, he said he was asked the question about um, the changing coaches, why now, and he said, well, you know, a, a good way of telling how successful your year is if you've not won the championship is are you better uh, at the end of the season than you were at the start of the season? And he said, at this point, we're no better than we were at the start of the season. In fact, we're worse. Well, that's a damning indictment from your head coach as to you know how much progress you've made in the year, and I, I think it's easy to to dwell on one game, but that that loss to South Carolina was you know earth shattering. That's the biggest loss to South Carolina in University of Florida's history. You know, I, 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 the, that is the the the, the records just keep on keep on tumbling. To be honest, in the last three games, Florida's allowed 123 points, which is the second most points they have uh, in, in 100 years. Do you know what I mean? It's just the, the, the defence just does not um, hold any shape at all. And, of course, you know, last year they were um, incredibly uh, fortunate in that they had a pretty dynamic trio. See what you say about Kyle Trask, a lot of people did. Um, he was able to drive that. That, that offence forward. You had Kyle Pitts, who's once a generation tight end, and uh, Kadarius Tony, who was a great um, wide receiver for him. What he does in the NFL is we'll have to wait and see. Um, so the offence actually probably masked a lot of some of the problems. I mean, just to, to go back to the, 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 the coaching changes, uh, Todd Grantham went. Um, I think many people thought he could have gone last year. Um, the, the, the Florida defence is um, so patchy. I think people were surprised that he stayed for uh, another season. So, um, you know, changes, defensive coordinator out, uh, the offensive line coach, John Hefsey, uh, he's out. Uh, that, he's not a big name, but he's been with Dan Mullen for 20 years. So that was a that was a, that was was a a big change in that respect. Um, and I can't help to answer your question. I can't help but think that uh, Dan Mullen is living on borrowed time. Is he living, correct me if I'm wrong, George in my history, but he was offensive coordinator for Florida in the good years, right? So is he? Mm-hmm. Is he? Has he survived? Because I'm just looking at his record with Florida: ten and three, eleven and two, eight and four, and now four and five. So let's be let's be clear: pinnacle 2019, but getting worse now. Is he living on the fact that he has a history with with Florida where? The previous coaches hadn't, and therefore were fired quicker. Well, the interesting thing was that he did. You're right. You know, he he, straight, he, he goes. He has a history with the school, but prior to this, he did a very impressive job at Mississippi State. Mm. Um, you know, he was the he came with, came a reputation as a quarterback whisperer. You know, Dak Prescott owes a lot of what Dak Prescott's got just now because. Uh, Dan Mullen turned him into a, a very, very good quarterback at Mississippi State. Uh, and actually, Mississippi State punched well above their weight 
in the SEC under under Dan Mullen, Dan, Dan Mullen sorry. So you know he came with uh, not just a, a, a name and a, and a history with the the team, but but he came with a, a pretty decent uh, head coaching record. Um, I I don't think Florida puts up with him because he, he you know he's he's no Steve Spurrier, right? So yeah. I don't think Florida puts up with him for 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 too long. But you know it, it's funny because. The big criticism, and this has come out regularly, and we talked about this on a college chaps two weeks ago, is that Dan Mullen appears to have no great relationship with recruiting. He doesn't appear to be a great recruiter. He doesn't appear to even have a great interest in recruiting. And Florida is one of the single best places to recruit in all of the USA. So the question then is, how do you how do you continue to to keep your, your your job in that position, and it, that must be because he has people around about him that he trusts. He's people around about him that he can recruit. But certainly, uh, I, I mean, I talked about Kyle Trask, and a lot of people were quite derogatory about Kyle Trask. But if nothing else, he he always had the team pointed in the right direction and moving up the field. And I actually quite liked him. Um, Emery Jones came in with a, a much higher rating than Kyle Trask ever had, um, and really has not performed well at all this year and then you know we're not even talking about the fiasco of Anthony Richardson who actually looks much the better of the two quarterbacks but uh, found himself injured again um, Ollie sent on the video of um, the dance that he was trying to achieve and I'm not surprised that he did his knee in doing that um, I did my knee in just looking at it um, they, uh, so it just feels as if they've lost they, 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 they've lost kind of sight and focus of where they, they need to be. And uh, a bit like uh, LSU, it's, um, it's unravelling quite quickly. It, it, it's what it's, you, you mentioned, Florida and that, you know, I, I, of the places in America, given my, my family and whatever, my sister worked in Disneyland and whatever, we've been there a few times. And college football is massive, right, in that state. And right now... The three main teams, I mean, there is a lot of teams in there, but the three main teams are garbage. But actually, <laughs> I was trying to think of a nice way, but, you know, let's just be frank, they're not very good. Um, and as you said, it's a recruiting cockpit, and it's somewhere where all three, just for those who are unaware, the U, University of Miami, uh, Florida State Seminoles, and um, Florida Gators have won national titles have been consistently dominant teams and if you were and you know and this is where we you know it shows your age kind of thing that like I just look at these teams and think they're the teams who are going to win their divisions and win their things and and if you asked a I'm 40 if you asked at like a 20 year old and you'd be like the University of Miami like who cares about the University of Miami like that's a Clemson that's a Clemson league, do you, and you're like, what are you even talking about? You, you know, that, that oh, that's a Georgia, that's a Georgia league, and you're like, what? Like that, that's a, that's a, you know, you know, that's a, you know, for the straights also the Clemson thing. You're like, what is going on here? How are these three former powerhouses hit such hard times, considering the 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 amount of players out of the state of Florida who get who go to major college programs and then eventually onto the NFL. It shows you how how quickly the tide turns. So two years ago, um, I went to Florida State. Um, I was lucky enough to do media at Florida State, and 
you go into that, and as you rightly point out, Paul, that's a storied programme. That's a huge programme. And it was a homecoming weekend. It was against um, Alabama State, I think, and the place was a third full. And it was so sad, you know, and they've got, the, they've got the, the, that great statue of Bobby Bowden outside. Um, you know, Jimbo Fisher took them to a national championship. Jameis Winston, you know, really fantastic programme. It, it's such a, such a shame to see... I, I don't know if Mike Norvell turns that around. I, I really hope he does because it's a huge programme. I think Manny Diaz could be at a job at the end of the season, to be honest. I, I, I thought that was a good hire. I think he might be out. Um, I, I don't know what happens to Dan Mullen. Um, it's conceivable. You know, it's funny. I, I, I was talking the other week about Dan Mullen for the USC job, right? Now, that, that's, that seems laughable at this moment in time. Um, but, you know... Can you if you put a head coach in USC that can that can sort out the quarterback position? I dare say it. You know, again, given the recruiting, and I've, I know what I've just said about Dan Mullins recruiting, but you know, if you can, given the, the recruits that are there, that that program I think turns around quite quickly, particularly given it's the Pac-12. So, you know, that's and as you rightly point out, it, coming out of um, October, Florida were actually doing okay, right? They, they had, they, they'd lost to Alabama by two points. Most people thought they should have won that game um, and probably would have knocked Alabama out of the running um, for the college football playoff. And then and then they hit, um, sorry, they, it was coming out September, then they hit October and the only team they beat in October was Vandy. Uh, you know, they, they, they got, they got, they got they, you know, it, it was going to be a, a four and zero if, if they hadn't mm. got a result against uh, Vandy. And as you say, uh, Kentucky took them out, LSU took them out, uh, but then the two massive losses were uh, Georgia, um, where they just weren't at the races. Understandably, I think, because Georgia are undoubtedly the number one team in the nation. And then, uh, somewhat surprisingly, because I don't think anyone saw that, Shane Beamer didn't see that one coming. So, um, you know, that, that result on Saturday uh, probably was, was enough for the, the, the kind of uh, people in power at, uh, in Gainesville to say, hang on a second. Where, where are we going here? Um, let's move on. Um, big game in the SEC this week is um, Texas A&M against Ole Miss. Um, in the college football rankings, outside of Georgia and Alabama, um, the next highest in the SEC is Texas A&M. And I guess the question is, if they get a victory over Ole Miss and win the rest of their games, which aren't the hardest if I've got it right, how high can they get in the rankings? Can they reach, I assume they can't reach the top four, but could they get, I don't know, six, seven, eight? So it's important to remember that we, we, we I don't know why I'm saying we, right, the Royal We, <laughs> thought that Texas A&M were going to be a challenger, uh, not only in the SEC West, but, but probably for the SEC. And if they, they had a real good challenge in the SEC, then they would be in the college football playoff. Um, they got off to a horrible start. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has definitely righted the ship, and he's got them moving in the right direction. And uh, I, I was torn up until about the last kick of the game uh, on Saturday night. I was torn between Texas A&M and Mississippi State being the form team in the SEC uh, outside of Georgia, uh, because both have got a bit of a head of steam. But um, Mississippi State lost to that field goal. Uh, Texas A&M are definitely. Um, moving in the right direction. And, and I saw some interesting 
uh, banter for want of a better word on Twitter the other day saying that you know if Texas A&M was to come up against Alabama again this week they would they would they would beat them even even more handsomely. Um, I said it's certainly be a great game, that's for sure. I, I, I think Texas A&M losing their quarterback right at the start of the season was a hammer blow to them. They took they definitely took um, uh, a few games to recover from that. Zach Calzada came in and I think did a pretty decent job. He got off the shaky start. Um, he's picked up uh, some injuries along the way. Um, this is a cracker, right? Um, college game day is going to be there. Uh, they're going to be at the Grove. Everyone loves going to the Grove. Um, uh, we've talked uh, on the, the two other occasions I've been here, we've talked mm. about uh, mm. Lane Kiffin. You don't know what to expect. This is going to be a great game, I think. And to answer your question, how high can they get? Uh, you're right, they're not going to get, you know, uh, four, five, six. But um, they could certainly be up because, you know, certainly what came out loud and clear, if anything came out loud and clear from the College Football Playoff Committee, was um, they're definitely sticking to the old strength of schedule. Um, and Texas A&M, have, uh, you know, in the West, it's been a pretty tough schedule for them this year. And the thing is as well, I think, you know, I think everyone's now aware that we're in the we're in the move to um, your um, Saturday in Athens column becoming a lot larger with with chat about you know Red River rivalries and how Oklahoma are going to get on against Bloody Blah and Texas and whatever. So it shouldn't be underestimated that in the recruiting another recruiting hotbed in Texas having the ability to say hi, okay, we're not the burnt orange but we're the best team in Texas, leads you to get those better players. And literally, as I'm saying that, you know, there's uh, Simon Carroll, there's Alex Chinnery, who are literally, like, hunting me down. But what I'm saying is, your team's not very good, and they're going to a, in, into a conference eventually where Texas A&M are regularly winning nine and ten games. That makes recruiting tougher. So, I... Um... Three years ago, when I went to the draft uh, in Dallas, um, we took a we took a road trip. I think uh, ahead of everything kicking off, took a road trip down, and we dropped in at Baylor, and we dropped in which Waco, and we dropped in at College Station, and I was blown away by the facilities at College Station. It is hard to believe the size of that stadium, and then the football facilities are like wow. Now they say everything in the state of Texas is bigger, but it was like, you know, you cannot help but be impressed. And, and you saw um, a College Station on, or, or I think most people saw College Station on Saturday. It was jumping. Hmm. Um, I watched the SEC Nation. They had an absolute blast, but the crowd was up for it. You can't help but be impressed by that. Now, I'm not saying that Texas is a big uh, draw. Uh, Sarkeesian's a big draw. If anyone had any doubt that, Sarkeesian is not the, not a magician. He can't just you know get stuff out of thin air. This season's a, a, a good leveler in that respect. Will Sarkeesian win out at Texas? I think he probably does, but it's going to take him two or three years to do it. But you're right. In that time, Jimbo Fisher can come along and uh, and grab recruits. Um, and it wasn't this year. Could it be next year? Could be. I mean, the challenge for Kirby Smart, who I think will win a national championship this year is to then start you know that's the first step of a legacy can he continue to do what Nick Saban has done 
year on year. Um, the one thing I would say is, um, and we've talked about this a few times, there's a few teams in, in and around that top six of the college football playoff who are in a building year, and I include Alabama in that, mm. uh, Ohio State in that, playing very young uh, quarterbacks. So your window of opportunity is short, um, but certainly um, Texas A&M may not end up having the season that I thought, but I think will end up having a really good season and you know probably justify why Jimbo Fisher got that extension. Final question. Um, Alabama lost to Texas A&M, um, but they were still ranked three in the college football rankings. Uh, it, it, it gives my my favourite start kind of arguments, you know, around the college where you know no, the teams don't play each other, so we have to listen to talking heads try and explain why a win against Team X is better than a, a loss against Team Y. Um, I assume two things. You know, the SEC is almost undoubtedly the best conference in in the in the country, and Alabama have consistently been the best. So I assume they get more leeway than others. And in theory, a, a team beating Alabama makes that team infinitely better, not Alabama infinitely worse. I, I was, I was kind of, if I'm honest, I was kind of surprised that that, that where they came out in the rankings. Um, I don't think I was quite expecting that I, I thought it might have come out at four um, and, and that way they, they get the benefit of um, the, the double argument as, as you say Paul they get the benefit of the doubt they're playing in a in a, a sufficiently hard conference and they, they lost, their one loss is to a team which actually racked up some, some pretty decent other wins um, so I was kind of surprised to see them in there, I think much of that was what was going on outside. Uh, the, mm. There was a lot of chat about Cincinnati, and uh, I guess with the benefit of hindsight, everyone got kind of, you know, caught up in that that hoopla. I'm not sure that the college football playoff committee was going to put Cincinnati in in the first the first round. I think they've put them in um, uh, six or seven. I can't remember um, to to see what happens. You know, so for example, Alabama get beat, Ohio State get beat, Oregon get beat. You know, whatever, whatever mm. the, the it might be. So um, then, then I think they can they can naturally migrate. Whether they actually end up in four or not, I don't know. But I don't think the College Football Player Committee was going to start off with putting Cincinnati in the top four. Although I, I kind of thought that they they they, they should have. Um, and, and I think the AP uh, coaches poll probably is getting closer to where teams are. I, I I've not seen enough Ohio State yet to to say whether they're the real deal or not, but um, they're certainly trending um, towards there. It'll be interesting to see where they end up tonight. I think Ohio State probably will end up in the top four tonight. Um, I don't think, if I'm honest, I don't think Alabama um, uh, moves. There's a lot of, lot of chat about Alabama moving. I don't think that's the case. I think a win over LSU, as Nick Saban said after the game, a win's a win. I think a win over LSU, who have been hot and cold this season. Uh, I didn't think Alabama played particularly well um, you, you know, I can't remember a time when Alabama had more penalties and rushing yards, right? So, mm. um, but LSU definitely put up a stout defense, and I don't think the Alabama offense is particularly good. And questions continue to be raised about the Alabama defense. So, but but saying that, I don't think I don't think they move. 
Um, does the uh, SEC think, commissioner? Does the SEC commissioner then, if George, if they don't move, does the SEC commissioner say have a have a word with all SEC officials and say in that SEC title game, let's get Bama beating Georgia because we're not going to move Georgia from one to four. But if 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 Alabama lose, they may go from three to six. Well, I mean, I think that's that. That's it. That's the. I mean, I I suspect, I suspect that's what the college playoff committee actually hope happens. Right, they yeah, get to an true. SEC playoff and um, Alabama gets beaten and it takes them out of the the equation. And of course, that's the roll of the dice. Uh, Alabama are actually really good at, at this. Um, uh, you know, if you look at the number of SEC title games they get to, and you know, they they either progress or they don't progress. So. I suspect that that's what gets the college football playoff committee out of jail. Frankly, um, the question is who who replaces them. I, I am I am as I said I'm I'm not convinced about Ohio State, but I'm more convinced about Ohio State than I am about Oregon. Um, uh, the Michigan State um, result um, at the weekend, uh, I have to say, was a surprise. I thought Purdue played particularly well. I really did. I thought they had a great game. Um, lived up to their reputation as the spoiler makers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I, I thought that was a great game. But actually, I kind of. If I'm honest, I would quite like to have seen uh, Michigan State win through because I think they, they would have been a pretty decent team in the in the top four uh, matchup. Um, I am no way convinced about Oklahoma at all. Um, so that then leads it open to you know why is um, why is Cincinnati not not in there? Um, so as I say, I, I don't think uh, Alabama shifts. Uh, I think then that that rolls on to the well. I say that. Um, I was going to say that rolls on to the SEC game, but Alabama's last game of the of the season is against Auburn in Jordan mm. here. And mm. if there's two fixtures on the on the schedule that Alabama don't look forward to in a must win season, they are Ole Miss and they are Auburn in Jordan here. Uh, that is by no means a foregone conclusion because actually Auburn, who are six and three, are having a much better season than I gave them credit for at the start. Fantastic, George. Final thing for me, I, will, I won't. I will, we'll let George go. Just to just to note, one of my favourite uh, American um, talking heads is Tony Kornheiser, PTI, Washington Post. It constantly describes the college football program, college football show as a TV program. Never forget it. So they, they they will want the four that they will want to get the most bums on the most seats on the biggest TVs in the United States of America. So Oregon fans, be be careful, be very careful. George, thanks a lot for your time, and I'll speak to you soon. No problem. Thanks, Paul. Cheers. And joining me now for his weekly spot, it's Mr. Taiba Boo. Taiba, how are we? Yeah, I'm good, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Um, looking back on your to, what to look out for, uh, which you write brilliantly, just before uh, Sunday's games, you, you talked about the Raiders, um, who who we who at the point I, I just write read your read your last sentence from the article for the for those infidels who haven't read it yet. It is if the Raiders return from New Jersey six and two, they will be sitting pretty in the West and should have eyes on a divisional prize. The Raiders lost um, to the New York effing Giants, mm-hmm. um, which is horrific um, and very uh, Raidersy. Unfortunately, over the past the past decade or so, especially, yeah, um, they're now second in the division behind the Chargers. Where does it leave the Raiders now? 
they're still in a decent enough position. I would I would have said if you'd offered the Raiders second position in the division after nine weeks, they'd probably took it. I suppose the thing is is just how poor they were on offense on Sunday. It really was. And listen, the Giants compete, but they are a team kind of lacking real kind of blue chip talent. Mm. So the Raiders, it's a type of game that if you're fancying a divisional title, you've got to win. Going on the road, going into a different time zone, it's the kind of thing you've got to just scratch out a victory. And I thought the Raiders were really just lackluster. It just everything looked like it was in, you know, second gear, first gear regarding the offense. I thought Carr made a few mistakes and, and it just looked like a team they just didn't have it on Sunday. Sometimes it happens and it was probably the worst time in the season given everything else that's surrounding the Raiders right now as well that that happened. Do you think um, the Rogue situation, I guess, on top of the Gruden situation and given how what happened with the Rogue situation especially was maybe a step too far in the in the news cycle of trying to deal with stuff as a team without letting things affect you then? Um, well, it certainly affected them on the field. Like, the, the car looked like he didn't have a lot of faith in the receivers that were out there. For as much as, like, within the locker room, I don't know, because the way Derek Carr spoke last week was shone a massive positive light on him. Uh, and him and his skills as a leader so I, I can't comment on the locker room thing but I would say the Raiders inside are dealing with a lot of chaos surrounding them you know the Damon Arnett things now cropped mm. up over the last two mm. or three days they've had the Gruden thing the tragic circumstances with the rug situation it is a lot to take in and and like I said I think they are looking more towards Derek Carr and he's got to become that leader because Obviously, over the last few years, Gruden and Mayo kind of tried to re-energize that roster and got younger. I know there's some veteran guys around like Nassib, um, KJ, right, etc. But even then, you're looking towards Carr and it's a lot to deal with for any quarterback. It's a lot to deal with for any sports yeah. person given yeah. everything that's happened to the Raiders this season so far. Their um, solution slash um, help is to get to Sean Jackson in. Um, not been spectacular this season struggles to stay fit but in the past when he stayed fit he's been someone who stretches a defence um, without a shadow of a doubt do you expect him to help Las Vegas towards the end of the season I think they needed someone I, w- I would like to have seen them make a play for Odell Beckham but Deshaun Jackson's decent enough for what the Raiders will try and do so I, I don't have an issue with that and it'll kind of stabilize or should stabilize them on offense which is kind of the platform to which they can try and get a wild card or maybe even win the division because the AFC is all over the place anyways so they do need someone it's just like I said I think the biggest thing with the Raiders they just need to get like a stretch of winning and just kind of silence everything else that's surrounding you know because every question that the players are turning up for at press conferences and media events is stuff that's happened off the field and I think at some point that does become a distraction. If we move on, um, I've looked back on our history, Taib. You're a Lions fan. I'm a Washington fan. Um, but somehow me and you always seem to end up talking about the Tennessee Titans. I have yeah, no idea yeah. why. I think this is like the fourth or fifth time we've done it. Yeah. Um, 
a massive, massive win for the Titans on Sunday against the Rams. Um, backs the old backs against the wall style victory where you've lost yeah. one of your best players in Derrick Henry, but you managed to do it. I guess when you watch the game, do you think it was the Titans being good or the Rams being bad? No, it was the Titans being good. Um, I think in some circumstances we could say it was a team being bad, but the Rams are kind of in that top three teams in the NFC, really, and they've been that throughout the season. They've been outstanding. It was just a really good performance from the Titans, and what you said there, but backs to the wall. Like, I can just imagine Mike Vrabel. He's got like this... I don't know. He's like an army general type of thing where he probably thrives in that backs-to-the-wall situation because um, he is that rah-rah guy, that intense football guy, and it just feels like... Yeah, it's a bit. It reminds me a bit from another sport, like when Jose Mourinho first had success with Porto and Chelsea. Mm-hmm. His teams were very much like him, kind of bitty and spiteful, but they could also play. You look at where Vrabel, he's kind of this dominating physical presence, and he's achieved so much as a player. It just looks like the Titans going every game. All right, we've lost Derrick Henry, and we're having to go to Los Angeles and play against. A team now with Von Miller and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford at quarterback. And it's almost like for every other team in the NFL, that would have been like, oh, maybe not, you know, like we're unsure about ourselves. And it just looked like the Titans. And even after that early interception with Tannehill, it was like, no, that that, does, that doesn't affect us. Like, we're still the Tennessee Titans and we're still going to make this a ball game. It's, it's, um, it's amazing self-belief. What self-belief and just a desire to win can do to a team. I think you're right. I think it's quite interesting, right? Like, if you were looking for a um, a schedule loss, quote unquote, you're you're an AFC team playing an NFC team on the road. You're in a division where you're already a couple of games up, you know, and a couple of games up on a team who you've already beaten twice. You're playing the Jags. You've still got to play the Jags and the Texans at least yeah. once, like. It's a game you don't necessarily need to win in the grand scheme of things, but I think you're no. right. You know, I think, you know, there's different kind of coaches in the NFL, right? You know, there's a lot of you know, geniuses, quote unquote, who, you know, I, I just be just be frank. I like, uh, if I heard another time in the off season that Carl Shanahan was the greatest offensive mind yeah, ever yeah. in the history of the NFL, you know, I would, and I had a pound for it, I'd be a millionaire. Yeah. Mike Vrabel is none of those things. You know, Mike Vrabel is a, you know, is a defensive-minded coach, but I, I don't think anyone thinks he's Vic Fangio or Brandon Staley oh, when it comes to oh. a defensive scheme or Bill yeah. Belichick. But the team rallies around him. The team plays hard for him. And they're going to be in, like, the playoffs for the third year on the run. You know, that's what you want your head coach to do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like I said, to me, isn't and, and I was thinking about this before I came on. and Like, every year... With Mike Vrabel, like the first year when they got to the AFC Championship, I think they finished nine and seven, and with a wild card team when they went on the road to beat New England and Baltimore, they're just this team that have got, and, and like I said, it's just an eye and belief in themselves. And 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 the biggest thing I think is, and sometimes again, take it to like British football, you know, they always say like sometimes teams could be beaten in the tunnel. I, I think the Titans could walk into like the 2007 Patriots and they wouldn't be beaten in the tunnel. Like yeah. that's that's kind of where their mindset is. Like they don't fear anyone and they don't respect anyone either. And it's, it's, it's an amazing ability to have. And for all the flaws, like they are going to be a tough team to beat 
come the stretch. You think they've already beaten Buffalo, they've already beaten Kansas City. Now they've beaten the Rams. They're sitting pretty in the division and they've still got Houston and Jacksonville to play at least once. Um, like they're in a really good position. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's quite it's quite funny, right? You could say, oh, look, they're the team that won the AFC South. Well, that means they've had to play the Colts and the Texans and the and the and the, and the Jags. And you're like, yeah, but they also beat the Chiefs and they also beat the Rams and they also beat the Bills. This is this is a serious football yeah. team. A serious football they really team. They really are. They really are. Um, type as always, fantastic to speak to you. At one one day we will talk about the Lions, but I don't want to do it yet. I want to talk about it when they when they get that first tick on the board, which I expect to happen in the next few weeks. So after that, we will talk at them at great length. I promise. No, no, it's, it's all right. I'd, I'd rather not talk about them <laughs> as long as they get one win. As long as they get one, I, I couldn't handle zero and sixteen and zero and seventeen on the same thing. Know, I really couldn't handle that. But fingers crossed, there'll be a win somewhere around the corner. Yeah, hopefully. Right. Speak to you next week, Dave. Thank you. Speak to you soon, Paul. Thanks. Last week, I'll be honest, I was a little bit concerned for Joe. Um, He was sad. He was disappointed in his team and he was a little bit downbeat. So I think, apart from the exception of all the Browns fans and obviously Joe I'm about to speak to, um, the happiest person for the Browns' absolute demolition of the Cincinnati Bengals was me because I knew that I would be speaking to Joe this week and he would be super happy again. So, Joe, welcome back to the show. How are we feeling? A lot better than last week, I'll tell you that. Um, it's amazing what, what a, a Sunday can do for a fan. Um, God, so what a crazy week of football, right? Absolute insanity. When, when like... The, the the Browns who, who are a good team and have proven that to be the case batter a, a divisional rival and it's probably not the, in the top six big stories in the league um, when it's the first game without Odell Beckham Jr. You know the world has gone insane. Um, week nine was drunk. Let's just be frank. Yeah, yeah. It was it was every reason why we love football. But wow, what a what a performance. Um, God, you know, watching that game. You felt like it was going to go one of two ways, and the way they drove down Cincinnati, that is, drove down the field, and we stopped. You know, they say it's that we have every goal-to-goal situation Cleveland had been in prior to the first drive resulted in a touchdown for the other team, and we finally stop them on third down, and then Malik McDowell gets a, a penalty, um, and quite frankly, way too many offsides penalties, but that's that's beyond the point. And then, so then we give them, you know, another chance, and then we get a pick six from a finally a healthy Denzel already takes it back the whole way it just that was the first time this year I felt like I could exhale I was like wow maybe you know it felt like everything had been going against us and then now maybe maybe the tides are starting to turn and obviously the whole narrative with Odell and how how much better Baker and really the whole team plays without him um, you kind of see like you know with enough evidence it's, it's probably true and it looks like that's that's the case I mean Baker has been the guy I've been trying to say he is all year, or at least he looked the part. Um, defense really stepped up, and I think without probably our second best defensive player, which is our, our outstanding rookie, Jeremiah, Miles um, Garrett got to the quarterback, spread the ball around great. Nick Chubb was a monster. It was just everything that you know made me fall in love with the team last year. It just felt like you know maybe we're going to finally start hitting our groove again. 
is is it just a coincidence that Baker was considerably better this week, or is it that he hasn't? I don't. Not he doesn't strike me as someone who 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 deal who, who who struggles with pressure. But what I mean is, he didn't have the noise of Odell Beckham trying to get the ball, so he felt more comfortable. Or was it just last week he was more injured than he was this week? Or what do you think? Probably a combination of things. I think. If you ask him, and I think his honest answer would be no, but subconsciously, it obviously has some sort of effect on him. And then another thing is that he hasn't really had a healthy Jarvis last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, Jarvis obviously was not his normal self last week. I mean, he had some key drops, which is so unlike him. As good as Odell and um, his, and his hands are, I would much rather have the ball thrown on him because he is, in my opinion, one of the most reliable receivers in really NFL history. I mean, he's got fantastic hands so when he played like that last week I was concerned but then he can't he comes back and he didn't have a a stellar game by any means but I think Baker is so much more comfortable with him as a as opposed to having Odell as a number one guy um and you know now we're getting into the meat of things we got New England who's got the same record as us and you know like I said last week and it's even truer this week is how uh, jumbled the AFC is in, in terms of the playoff picture. What was upsetting is, you know, it's not something you can control, but both of the opponents uh, in the AFC North, we could have, or they could have lost their games, and they probably should have. I think Baltimore should have lost, and as well as um, Pittsburgh, you know. Obviously, for different reasons, they ended up pulling through. But if they both lost, that would have been really great for us. But regardless, we still put ourselves in a much better position. I mean, two weeks ago, the Bengals were leading division now they're in last place so that kind of tells you how competitive this division is going to be uh down the line and another thing is probably i would i don't have the numbers in front of me but i would guess out of all the divisions we as a division have played each other the least amount of times meaning you know coming toward the end of the season we're going to beat each other up and really figure out who's going to take control of the division so uh, big things coming up for us to, to put into context what, what joe's saying about the afc um, the Texans, the Dolphins, the Jags, and the Jets have all got one or two wins. Then the Colts are four and five, and then every other team in the in the conference is a winning record. That's insane. <laughs> to be yep, fair, it is. <laughs> when you're you're the Denver Broncos, you're five and four, and you're eleventh in the yeah. <laughs> or tenth. In the, it, that is that is crazy. And you just boat race the Cowboys. The game goes a different way. They could be, you know, like second place or something. It's that. It's that. Uh, it's that tight as far as the records go. And the Colts, just to put it into context, the Colts are four and five this week. They play the Jags at home, so could quite easily be five and five. And then you've got yeah. twelve teams in insane, insane. Um, if we move over to the NFC. Um, I, we want. I want you wanted to look at two quarterbacks and two two teams. I guess the first one is is the Philadelphia Eagles. I I, I do a podcast mainly fantasy uh, waxing lyrical with with my friend Neil. He's a massive Eagles fan. We try and avoid talking about the Eagles as much as possible, or I do because he'll talk about them for about four hours if I give him the opportunity. Yeah. Um, we've 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 especially avoided it this year as they are uh, not very good. Um, and I guess. I'm interested in your thoughts on them. They they did okay against the Chargers. I, mean, I think the score looked different than it looked on the field. I think that it, for me it looked like there was a big gap between the Chargers and the Eagles, but I, I'm interested to get your thoughts. 
yeah, it just felt like, you know, we're basically halfway through the year, if not past that, and you get guys who quote-unquote head coaches, it's like, I don't understand what Nick Sirianni was doing at the beginning of the year. That right there, I know they didn't win, but that is how they're going to win games and be competitive. I mean, this offense, having Jalen Hurts sit back and throw the ball all over the field, you're not going to win games in the NFL like that. And you got to play to your best player's strength. And he is one of your best players. Maybe he's not a prototypical quarterback, but he's one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the league. I mean, Lamar Jackson isn't exactly a prototypical quarterback, and mm-hmm. they've definitely tailored Baltimore's offense to him. So it felt like, Maybe something clicked for him, and you got to figure out. You got to you got to run the ball. Jordan Howard looked like his old self. Um, I love the things that Boston Scott can do. Devontae Smith looks like the real deal. Uh, Jalen Rager does not, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, it just felt like I, I don't understand how it takes this long into a season to realize you don't have a guy who's going to sit back and you know slice up a defense. You need to to put the ball on the ground. And honestly, I don't know if if anything, I would prefer that if I had. Uh, my choice is to whether it be a run or a pass heavy team because you can do so many different things with a quarterback like that. You know, you can get him out of the pocket eventually and then make those throw make those throws so much easier. So um obviously not the best defense in the world on that team, but it just felt like that is their um their strategy moving forward for winning games because that is the most competitive I felt like they've looked all year. I think the interesting thing on that is, Joe, is that um I think you're right, and it always, you know, it, it, you look at this, the Eagles, Hurts, and Sirianni, you look with Matt Nag- Nagy and, and, and um, Justin Fields in Chicago. Yeah, same and thing. And you just think, like, you, you've... Do you not watch how these players play? Do you just have a playbook, quote-unquote? Exactly. You know, you've had this playbook for 10 years, 2 years, 20 years, doesn't really matter. And these are the only plays you run, and it doesn't matter whether you have Baker Mayfield... Jalen Hurts, Matt Ryan, or Lamar mm-hmm. Jackson, you're just going to run exactly the same playbook? I mean, that seems insane to me. Yeah. It, it feels, yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels like if uh, Matt Matt Ryan got traded to the the Ravens, they would keep running that same offense. Like, no, yeah. they wouldn't. But that's how it felt. It's like, why would you do that? He, that's not how he's been successful as a football player up to this point. He He's a good athlete, so let him be a good athlete. But, yeah. Same thing with the Bears, and I don't think anyone's gonna be vying for Matt Nagy as coach of the year. So um, it just it, it's baffling because it's so apparent what the issue is, and yet you go out the same week or you know week after week and expect uh, different results. And it's like no, if anything, it's gonna get worse because they've already figured out that he can do it, so they're just gonna mm. let you keep doing what you're doing. So I don't know. It was it was a real head scratcher, but maybe they can. You know, they're not going to make the playoffs, but maybe they can have um, something to build on going into next season. Another team who who, who had to deal with it, a quarterback change and didn't deal with it very well in terms of changing the offense, and the head coach even admitted to it. And that's mm. the Green Bay Packers and uh, Jordan Love and, and Matt Lafleur. I think they had to deal with a lot last week. I think would be the understatement of the millennia, right? Uh, regardless of losing your all-pro quarterback, the noise around how you lost your all-pro quarterback to say that would be a distraction would be the would be a complete understatement. Jordan Love was not really put in a position to win last Sunday. Okay. I didn't feel it. Didn't feel like they tailored the offense to him. There's a chance he plays again this week. Would you expect Matt Lafleur to be more have a more Jordan Love centric offense? If I knew what that would look like, maybe, but he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't even know 
I don't know what he's good at. You know, I, yeah. I remember I, he threw so many interceptions in college. Obviously, he's, you know, he's got a good arm, but God, how many guys have a good arm that aren't good quarterbacks? I mean, he his stats weren't. At, he he didn't play terrible, but he certainly was not winning them that game. And if it, the defense played so well at that, obviously the Chiefs are something going on with them. I know that they've won the last couple games, but after that first drive, you know they were pretty terrible. I think they had five first downs in between their, uh, regardless of, or excluding their first and last drive. So when the defense does that um, in in Kansas City, you regardless of quarterback, you need to probably win that game. I know that their record, they're they're going to make the playoffs and they're fine, but. Um, if you're looking forward as a franchise, obviously you're expecting Jordan Love to be the next Aaron Rodgers, which obviously your luck is going to run out eventually on you know Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But he he didn't look the part. I I like Devontae Adams, but God, I was getting I felt like an old man yelling at the kids at the line. His body language was so bad. It's like I understand you have Aaron Rodgers your whole career, but you need to you, it, it's you're not making it easier for the quarterback every time the throw isn't right where he needs it to be he's just shaking his head like you know some prima donna which i never really felt like he was um but yeah obviously i think they could probably scheme it up a little better i think aaron jones needs to have the ball a lot and then you know be spelled by uh, aj Dillon. they have like i said a formidable defense but um moving forward yeah definitely a bit of concern because he did not light the world up like uh, I remember Aaron Rodgers did in his first start, mm. um, even while Brett Favre was still on the roster. So definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on next week. I think it's really interesting um, that you mentioned. I think it was underreported the um, the, the Devonte Adams um, situation. Right, I, I think you're right. His body language was terrible. He, he was, you know, we we all we all love a, a prima donna wide receiver, right? exactly right but there's 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 reasons to have them and there's reasons to not right and 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 Devonte adams like needs to understand how lucky he has been because yeah. you know he could be alan robinson he could be a former texans wide receiver andre G- Andre Johnson, right? These are elite wide receivers who never had anybody good to throw to them. So it's all well and good saying, oh, this is terrible. Jordan Love's not very good. And you're like, yeah, but you've had Aaron Rodgers for years, so you should just thank your lucky stars that you did because some, some of these wide receivers never get them. Oh, he has... Obviously, he has no clue or appreciation because he obviously he thinks that's a standard for the NFL. It's like you have one of the probably best three quarterbacks of all time as far as just a pure, you know pure passer goes mm-hmm. so i don't know what you're expecting like it, it's not realistic to to think you know i'm i'm in man coverage and the guy's right on me and the ball is going to be put right where the guy can't get it it's you're going to have to do a little more bud to be Devonte adams so um yeah you can see the writing on the wall for there he is not gonna retire as a packer i, I can tell you that right <laughs> now absolutely that last dance meme is becoming more and more um, um salient every day um joe as always, absolutely brilliant to talk to you. Just looking here, as you mentioned, it's Browns versus Pats, CBS. I assume Jim Nance and Tony Romo are looking at tape now. Biggest game on CBS, I would assume. Um, enjoy, and hopefully we will speak to a happy Joe next week. Yeah, I want to answer the phone just the same way I did uh, this week, next week. So 
you know, hopefully it goes well. But yeah, um, great talking to you too. Cheers, Joe. I continue my run through happy writers uh, in the NF in in the uh, touchdowns at Code UK space with my final guest tonight, Thomas Willoughby. Thomas, how are we? I've got the biggest grin on my face every time you. Uh, even I've forgotten. I've forgotten that's where we're going today, and it's oh, I get to relive it again. Oh man, yeah, I'm really good. Um, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. We I play this game regularly with people. Um, in in mu- multiple sports at multiple times, is there anything sweeter than beating your rivals, especially when you're seen as the underdog at that moment? Um, no, I don't think there is, um, and, and and I mean that sort of on a. It's it's easy to say that when you've just won and you are yeah. the the underdog, because if if the shoe was on the other foot, if I were a Saints fan, um, I would be sort of saying, yeah, you're not doing anything this year and we're going to the playoffs. So what, what I know where I'd rather be, but I'm not. So I do get to say I'm, I'm over the moon uh, that we've, that we've been the Saints. Um, I don't know if you actually know this, this might be the first time you, you find this out about me, but I'm a, I'm a Manchester United season ticket holder. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, I've managed to, um, that's not a good place to be. Sorry. (laughs) I've seen United lose to basically the two teams you don't want to lose to kind of ever. Um, and pretty pretty handedly as well, like it's not even a close run thing. So for the for the Atlanta Falcons to at least give me one of these um, this year just feels feels really nice. Um, but no, I I really hate the Saints, and I'm glad that there's, to the best of my knowledge, no Saints writers within the touchdown space because that would be bad. Um, <laughs> I can I, I can I can handle the the Panthers and I can handle the Buccaneers because they've kind of for, for as long as I've been following the sport kind of been at the same sort of level or underneath Mm. the Falcons Mm. Mm -hmm. but the Saints have always been the one Um, and every single game is close like the the game on Sunday doesn't really that's that's not the typical game but the scoreline kind of is if that makes sense it's always that 2.3 points here and there and you never really know what you're going to get take me back Thomas I want you to take me back to I guess it would have been around about five to ten to nine UK time the comeback has happened they've just scored yeah um the next minute um I, I don't know probably I I was gonna say running back I was gonna say wide receiver but let's be frank the greatest player in the NFL right now Cordero Patterson gets free and open down the sideline and Matty Ice finds him what was the what were you jumping up and down with drinks thrown was there a was there a cheer what was it yeah so um uh, my girlfriend had gone to bed because she had to be up early for for work um on monday so i was in my on my own in the living room with her, with her up on the up on the tv um <clears throat> as i was doing my best to to say stay subdued i've got i've got to tell you i've got more of a reaction with the the, the kick the field goal than i did the the catch because that was the second time they ran that same play. And it mm-hmm. was, I mean, obviously there was more yardage with the, uh, the second time around, but um, it's like, we've, we've seen it happen and it, and they burn them just to touch on Patterson. Actually. Um, I can't believe that we're what eight years into his career and he's having his breakout season. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, 
it's so like I was thinking the other day just sort of like he's already I mean he's like 10 yards away from his best ever receiving season and we're not even halfway through the year so it's it's, it's insane um but that it was that was it was it was the most that 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 game was the most emblematic game of the last 10 years for me with the Falcons is get the big lead blow it and then come from behind because I haven't done so much recently well this season we've done it quite quite a few times but the Falcons have a bit of a well Matt Ryan especially has a bit of a a reputation for those come from behind that those game winning drives that's where he gets his his nickname from and I'm, I'm glad that that's coming back um delighted yeah what a throw what a catch what a run and they really tried to see if he was out of bounds as well, just to yes. they can get he really had a look, zoomed right in on his feet just to see if he was out of bounds, but you can't take that one away from us. This is year nine of Cadero Patterson, for those who are <laughs> for those who are unaware, right? Um right now he has thirty eight catches for four hundred and fifty nine yards, uh, averaging twelve yards a a, a reception. Twelve point one yards is his is his career high. The best he's ever done in terms of yards was his first year when it was 469. He's now become a running back, just for those who are paying attention. <laughs> um, he has got 278 yards at 3.8, not spectacular, but that is the most rushing yards he has. So when Thomas says he's having his breakout year, it's not a flipping comment. It's a statistical, statistical fact proven <laughs> quite easily by looking at really basic numbers it's just sort of like and, and it's it's happening on a team that shouldn't really be anywhere near this situation I was, again i was thinking about it the other day we're a handful of plays from being six and two like a couple of plays again a couple of plays our way against washington yeah a couple of catches against uh, carolina and we're six and two and like fourth seed or something stupid um obviously we're in the playoff hunt at the moment and we'll see where that goes seventh um, seed for those who are unaware right now not in the playoff hunt as it, it <laughs> not in the hunt section of the playoffs it would be in the playoffs in the playoffs ridiculous um because we're rubbish <laughs> <laughs> there are so many hard the fact that we allowed um trevor simeon and Taysom hill to to come back uh, the way that they did is is is, is alarming um Obviously, when this comes out, I assume most people will be listening to it on the Wednesday, so the stocks will be out later today. I talk, I mean, spoiler alert, I talk about Matt Ryan um, and the fact that his 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 number one receiver is a tight end and his number two receiver is a running back, and he's our running back. Um, but it's just kind of like no, this this team shouldn't be winning games, nor should they be in games, nor should they be in the playoffs. It's 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 a joke. Um, that being said, if we get in there we'll see what happens um for now i'm trying really hard to not get carried away by it because i've done that before and it never ends well um we'll take the win over the saints every day of the week correct i was spe- just speaking to joe valenzuela um about the afc where there are um 10 teams in with a winning record and you are the seven seed of four and four so it's it's always about location 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 um on the stocks last week um you talked about the new england patriots Um, And then the New England Patriots won again. And the question that I ask, as I have a Patriots friend, um, and I I sent him a text, um, why won't you die? 
him and he thought he, he, his response was that was harsh what have I done to you and I went no you're effing NFL team not you this time um, so the question I, I asked myself is will the, will the Pats ever die um, I, the, the, the unfortunate answer is may, maybe not um, I, don't, I, I, I certainly don't think so while Belichick is, is at the helm I'm interested to see what the next plan what the plan is for when he moves on because that can't be he can't be there forever um, and I'm convinced that it's Josh McDaniels and, and that will just blow up but mm. right now um, not only are they well and truly in, in, the, in the picture for AFC playoffs um in mid-january they're also kind of in the picture for afc well, they afc east um mm. they're in that they, they the, the bills have slipped up um and they've kind of let them in a little bit and if it comes down to if it comes down tight over the last few weeks you you wouldn't want to bet against patriots not winning that crown um they just seem to know how to do it and i i say that not really buying into what they're doing offensively. I, I don't think Mac Jones is brilliant, even though he's at the moment um, having having the most productive of all of the rookie quarterbacks, um, most productive season of all the rookie quarterbacks. I don't buy their receiving group. I don't think their running game's overly brilliant. Um, I, I mean, I think Hunter Henry's pretty good as a tight end, mm. but that the, the defensively is superb. Um, they took they took Carolina to task um, at, at the weekend. It was I mean it was great to see. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the, the the annoying thing is I find myself begrudgingly respecting it. It's just the fact that they decided to have a year off when the world was kind of over and just sort of regroup and then kind of went all right let's let's stop playing around now. And if they get there and again you wouldn't want to bet against them purely because Bill Belichick it's the Patriots. I don't know how long this one can last, but they're in a pretty good spot at the moment. Annoyingly, they it's they have the they have six six massive games coming up against teams in playoff contention. Thomas, they played the Browns this week. Yeah. Massive game. They are then at Atlanta. Um, let's let's not let's let's we talk stuff will be brought. Could I suggest? To all Atlanta Falcons fans, including yourself, to not watch any pre-match build-up of any sort prior to that game. Could I also suggest you do not listen to any podcasts suggesting they are going to talk about that game. You do not need it in your life. You, you're, better, you're better than that. It will only bring up bad memories. They then also play the Titans. They then play the Bills. They then play the Colts. They then play the Bills again. Um, if they are still in contention at that point and they've won more games than they've lost they finish with Jaguars in New England and then at Miami so you would see two guaranteed wins at the end so if they go 4-2 and in those next six that's a shit that's an 11 win Patriots team yeah, I mean it's that's that. I mean that is as rough a six-game stretch as you can you can ask for. Um, I, th- I think the, the oh, having a, a, that mini bye week coming off of Atlanta on a short week. That's mm. I mean they they probably couldn't ask for because the Falcons don't win at home. By the way, our, our record in this new ground is pretty dreadful. Um, so facing the Falcons on a on a short week is is pretty good for them. Plus having that extra bit of rest is is helpful. Um, I can't help but 
it's just I, I can't not think that they're going to be there and then once they're in I mean who knows obviously the last time they were in it didn't end so well for for Brady and, and that against the Titans and I mean obviously that Mac Jones isn't anywhere close to Tom Brady at the moment but you just I just get a feeling about them that they're just going to be in what was it the, the Tampa Bay I don't want a New England Tampa Bay Super Bowl please don't give me that, that that's <laughs> I think I, I I believe although I'm not 100% sure that is how Nostradamus suggested the apocalypse would start I may be wrong but it's it seems that it was close to that situation I'm talking myself into the worst possible. Is it was it Valentine's Day this year? The uh, the Super Bowl, the worst possible Valentine's Day. <laughs> Tampa Bay, New England. Goodness me. Um, but no. Um, to, to answer your question, they're 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 there or thereabouts this year. They're probably legit for years to come. And depending on what they do at the head coach position in the future, whenever that whenever that becomes a genuine conversation, they might not go for a while um and that sucks because i know everybody apart from patriots fans are just kind of sick of it at this point but you can't help but just a well-run team just a really well-run team who have they, they've got it going in their way and final question for me um, and i don't know what's in the in the in the stock report this week um, that I, I allow I allow editors who, who actually can spell to do those type of things. I do them. I do. I do talking. Um, but if I was selling, I, I'd be selling the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you're a man who's lived the Kyle Shanahan life uh. um, in a good way. Um, and I just have a question of: Could you have seen when he was the offensive coordinator? the issues he seems to be having as a head coach appearing? Or did you just think that he would be as good as a head coach as he was as an offensive coordinator for the Falcons? Yeah, so, I mean, I mean again, spoiler alert, Carl Shanahan is trending down this week. Um, <clears throat> and it's similar to, to, to kind of touch on what you've just said there. He's, I think Carl Shanahan is incredible. I think Carl Shanahan is a, is a genius. And I would... 100% welcome him back. It's not going to happen mm. uh, because he's 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 now head coach material, and that would mean moving on from Arthur Smith. And I think Arthur Smith's a genius. So yeah, um, everybody's a genius for as far as I'm concerned. Um, but if he wanted an offensive coordinator role, I see no reason why we shouldn't take him on. Um, the problem that he has moving from what, what the Falcons had five years ago to where San Francisco are now is that he doesn't have. Matt Ryan, he doesn't have Julio. I'm not saying that those players made him. No, but of Matt course. Ryan is a significantly better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo and 2021 Trey Lance. Julio Jones is a significantly better wide receiver than Debo. Well, I mean, Debo Samuel's pretty good, but, um, uh, but, but Julio Jones was better. I think that's just undeniable, right? Do you mean these yeah. these things are undeniable? Um, the, I, the the th- the thing that will always the thing that bugs me with the Carl Shanahan thing is knowing how good San Francisco can be sans injuries. And they always seem to have five, six, seven key players out for a length of time. Like last season was just derailed by injury upon injury. Um, obviously, the, the second season, they got Jimmy Garoppolo in. They looked brilliant for three weeks and then he got injured and they were stuck with CJ Beathard again. The one year it all came together, they got to the Super Bowl. And that's why I think that San Francisco will be 
reluctant to move on from him um, regardless of what happens because I can see a scenario where he goes to Denver next year and they just turn into a contender again. Hmm. Uh, it was never going to be easy for him to recreate what he had in Atlanta because that took years of building those core talents, um, which San Francisco, lest we forget, were really bad um, under Chip Kelly uh, that, that one year beforehand. Um, he had to get a whole new... He, j- he just had to get everybody in, basically. Um the problem is you would like to see them being more then you'd just like to see more of them at this point. Um, obviously you had the Carl Shanahan experience to, to an extent in, in Washington. Um, I, st- I, I maintain that that playoff game against Seattle, if they'd taken uh, Griffin off that it, it's a completely different mm. um, well, timeline. We're in a completely different timeline. Yeah, of course. Right. It's a, what if uh, it's a, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a Marvel. What if scenario? I think, I think what I, what I would say, Finally, on, on Kyle is, I agree with everything you said. Right, I think he's a tremendous offensive offensive coordinator. I have two issues with him. Um, he, 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 much like his dad, he wants to be heavily involved in decisions on the roster, and I do yeah. believe quite strongly that with without with, with only limited exceptions. Head coaches should coach, and general managers should deal with player personnel. I really believe that, yeah. and some pla- some places it's work where that hasn't been the case, but it's very rare. I also believe that he he is such a perfectionist that he seems to get down on players far too quickly if they don't do exactly what he wants them to do. So you see, players seem to get in the doghouse in San Francisco far too quickly, and I think. And I also think that happens because he's just in charge and no one is above him to tell him that he shouldn't be doing that. And he really doesn't... I believe he needs help on that. And I have a fear for San Francisco fans that it won't happen in San Francisco. But I think you're quite right. I don't see Kyle becoming a um, a um, offensive coordinator again. But he may become a head coach again in a different yeah. structure that means that he is in a better position to be a good, if not great, NFL head coach. And weirdly, that's kind of exactly what happened to his dad in Denver after leaving the Raiders. <laughs> that's. I mean, I, I was convinced that he... When, when that whole process was going on in 2016, early 2017, and he was interviewing for every job, I was convinced that it was going to be Denver for the... Mm. The romance, this this is the story. It's like, oh yeah, his, his boy's coming back, and he's going to take us to glory. Um, I was really just, dis- I was so gutted when he when he uh, went to San Francisco. Not surprised, but I was gutted because that year was just like, I mean, it was it was it was magic, and and the stuff that he did with that offense was just incredible. And and we've not offensively, we've not really been the same since. Matt Ryan's come close in terms of production. Julio Jones has come close in terms of what he did. Obviously, he's now in. Uh, Tennessee being their cheerleader, I guess, but um, <laughs> he's getting what he's getting what he wants, which is wins, and I can't begrudge that. Um, but it, it, I, th- I really thought that with him as the offensive coordinator, we were close to something. We, were, I mean, we were close to something, and I, and I thought another year would have would, would have done something. That's it. Was a real shame, um, and I do want him to be successful because I do like him, and I think he's he's I think he's brilliant. But you're absolutely right in regards to 
it, it, it does feel as if he's trying that power play that so many have tried. I mean, they, mm. they, San Francisco had that with uh, uh, Jim Harbaugh, John, John, Jim Harbaugh, Jim. Um, and it all fell apart that year. Um, and it never really they they didn't recover for, for a while. Um, I do. I don't think they get rid of him, but I do think they try to change things around, yeah. and we'll see what happens next year. Um, but he's brilliant, and he, any anyone would be lucky to have him, um, apart from San Francisco, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Thomas. As always, great to speak to you. We'll let you go, and we'll speak again next week. Cool. Speak to you later. Cheers, sir. Thank you. And that is it for the Touchdown Review, Episode 8. Wonderful show, lots of guests, lots of laughs, more happy people this week, which is always good. Hopefully next week their teams will win and they will be equally as happy. But regardless, we'll have them all back on to discuss the NFL and college and see where they are again. So until next week, we'll see you, we'll see you later.